in Judges chapter 13. And uh, as we're beginning actually the story of Samson, as we do, lots of great stories here. We're going to look at the first as we talk about. I've got 20 verses that I want to read uh, out loud. And I'm going to read it in my best narrative kind of voice that will keep your attention, but you'll be reading as well. A little, probably more verses maybe sometimes we read from the pulpit, but we've got it here today. So this now is the Word of God. Judges chapter 13 and verse 1 says this, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. There was a certain man of Zorah who was of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines." The woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance is like the appearance of an angel of God, very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink or eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her, so the woman ran quickly toward her husband. Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. Manoah rose, went after his wife, came to the man, said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life, and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine. Neither let her drink wine or strong drink or any unclean thing that I have commanded her. Let her observe. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your words come true, you may, we may honor you? Verse 18 says, The angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering, offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching, and when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching. And they fell on their faces to the ground. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. Oh, you did good already to be attentive. When I was coming along as a child, I know that was a long, long time ago, but I remember watching the old black and white Superman TV show in which, you know, of course, Superman and Lois Lane, and then there was uh, Jimmy Olsen that worked for the Daily Planet. It seemed like Superman was always jumping through walls, although there weren't any two-by-fours, I think, in those walls, if I remember correctly. And also, a Batman and Robin coming along, and this is the one to where every other episode, Batman and Robin would be on a slow conveyor belt or some other slow mechanism to whereby it looked like it was going to be leading to imminent death, and suddenly the announcer would come on, and say, they say, what will happen to our Cape Crusaders? Will this be the end? 
Tune in next week. You can say it with me if you know it. Same bat time, same bat channel. Some of you actually knew that show, probably your generation. Spider-Man was a comic book. Wonder Woman made it on TV. It seemed like there was a Justice League with about half a dozen superheroes. Now today, there are more superheroes than you can count today. Although it's hard to tell who's the good guy and the bad guy, who's the hero and the villain and sometimes we understand it's kind of a mixed bag. Well here we are in the Old Testament book of Judges and we have one if there's a hero perhaps a superhuman hero who seems to have amazing strength. He's beyond any mortal man. We have one. His name is Samson. He's one of the judges during a dark time in Israel's history. We read in chapter 13 in verse 1 a verse that is repeated several times in the book of Judges. The Israelites again did evil in the sight of the Lord. That again being a key phrase or a key word there. In our series of messages called Stepping Up When Everyone is Stepping Down, we have seen that the Israelites are in a spiritually unhealthy cycle where they continue to be unfaithful. They find it's unfruitful. They call upon the Lord and God provides a deliverer or He delivers the people over and over again. So we're learning and today we're going to continue to learn how to maybe get off this roller coaster life if you're a follower of Jesus and yours seems to be more of a roller coaster in a cycle that does not seem to end instead of growing in Christ. But we're learning how we might stop the roller coaster and live a healthy life spiritually by keeping our focus on Jesus. Now, Samson is the last of the judges in this book, and he's the best known by people, whether they're in church or not in church. Most people know of Samson and Delilah, although they're not known as having examples of strong loving relationship. Samson's known for his long hair and the not-so-secret source of his strength, for, as we're going to find out, his hair was not the source of his strength. Now, the story of Samson takes up four chapters, so I'm giving you this warning, but I hope it will be kind of some anticipation that you want to come back because we're going to begin the story of Samson today. Four chapters are going to be looking at these last three Sundays here in August. In fact, this is going to kind of be a mini-series within the series. Series is called Stepping Up, and so this is a mini-series, and we're just simply calling it uh, Superman versus the King of Kings. There is no veiled message here. There's nothing that you're going to have to look through, try to find out the code. It is simply that I want to encourage you to take advantage of every opportunity to be like Christ and not necessarily like Samson. For 40 years, the Philistines had oppressed and ruled over the Israelites. Now, the Philistines were a common enemy uh, over Israel, and because of their disobedience and worshiping other gods, this time God had allowed or orchestrated the Philistines to conquer and rule the Israelites for 40 years. Now, that's twice the time of oppression of any other nation over Israel in the book of Judges. Seven or more previous times we find that the people of Israel, they had cried out to God and God had delivered. But in this particular case, there is no indication that the people are crying out to God. But still, God is seeking to provide a deliverer, someone who's supposed to be a deliverer. Now, Samson is known for his feats of strength. He's known for... uh, taking a lion, tearing a lion to pieces with his bare hands. He's known to pay off a debt. He uh, slaughtered 30 Philistines and stole all of their clothes. In order to exact revenge, he caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together and put a torch in between each pair and let them loose in order to be able to burn the fields of the enemy. 
Several times he was bound by ropes and new ropes and bowstrings and even his own hair only to break free. He tore down the gates of the city. He killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. In the final act, he's chained to the pillars of a Philistine palace and he pulls the entire house down on he and his enemy. An indication is that these are just some of the feats that we have in the book of Judges. Actually, great stories in all the four of these chapters, maybe three, because chapter 13 is about his birth. And we're going to talk about these in the coming days. And we're going to be talking about how we might be able to make application in our lives over the next three Sundays. And Now, some of you are familiar maybe with Samson and maybe some of these stories about Samson. And, and you're, but some of you may be thinking, are those stories really in the Bible? Yes, and they are in the Bible, and they are such incredible stories and impressive that I don't want you to forget that these are not fables like Paul Bunyan and his big blue ox or Hercules or even a Schwarzenegger movie. These are real stories about a real person who was strong physically and spoiler alert, God gave him his strength. And though he was strong physically, spiritually, for the most part he was weak, particularly when it came to women and following God's purpose. But I do believe today and in the weeks to come, if you'll, in these next couple of Sundays, that if you'll pay attention, you will discover more about God's will for your life and how to be able to stay focused with Him and be able to stay strong in the Lord, maybe more so than ever before, particularly uh, as you begin your 100 days of essential Bible reading. And you will be intentional in following Christ to be like Him. So, Today we want to focus on the beginning of Samson's life, which began like many great servant leaders in the Bible with a plan and a purpose and a calling of God even before he was born. Samson was born perhaps with the greatest potential. Maybe you've got some notes there. It's entitled with the great potential of maybe more so than any of judges in the book of Judges. And regardless of your season of life or your circumstance, you have great potential to follow God's plan. Now, that word potential cuts both ways. You say somebody has potential or they see potential in you. Now, that could be a good thing. They see something in you and, uh, and that, that's a compliment. But it also cuts the other way in the fact that uh, you have not completed all the things perhaps that you could complete or that you will uh, complete, in fact. Now, we know as followers of the Lord, we've not completed all the things that the Lord would have us to do or He's not completed in us so that we might become more and more like Christ. So we have certainly potential to be more and more like Christ. But I will tell you this, had Samson completed all that the Lord had told him to do, we would not even be using the word potential probably this morning. Have you heard any preacher say, any teacher say, have you ever said, that Jesus Christ, he sure had a lot of potential. No, you don't say anything like that about Jesus because he completed his mission. He fulfilled all that needed to be done. Well, uh, if we, it, is, it is time that we choose to become more like Jesus, and the story of Samson will help. Now, let's begin. We're going to make a comparison here. Let's begin with the prophecy of the birth of Samson versus the birth of the Savior. Now, as we compare the birth and the early life of Samson to the birth and the early life of Jesus, I, I sure we'll see some similarities, but mostly we'll see the contrast. We'll see the differences. Now, don't misunderstand and think we're saying Samson was like Jesus. It was just the opposite. Uh, he wasn't. And, and while we learn to make application for the stories of Samson, we'll even more so find ways and incentives to follow 
and to be like Jesus. So you've got your notes there, and if you want to even jot some things down under the birth of Samson versus the birth of Jesus, you'll have opportunity to do that. So under the birth of Samson, we find, and we read a moment ago, the angel of the Lord foretold his birth. In the dark days of the Israelites, during the time of the judges, when most families were worshiping other gods, cowering in fear of the Philistines, the angel of the Lord comes to the wife of Manoah. I can remember Manoah because I remember, of course, uh, Noah of the Old Testament with an M-A in front for some reason, so just, they don't cost you a thing, but you can remember Noah. We're not told specifically that they were a godly couple. But the evidence and response is this couple, couple were among the few who continued to worship God during these dark days. They were the exception and not the norm. Don't miss the lesson here of being the exception and not the norm when it comes to worshiping, serving, and being a faithful follower of Jesus. Now the message of the heavenly visitor to Mrs. Manoah, since we don't know her name, was you shall conceive and bear a son. Now it's interesting to me that we don't know her name when she seems to play a prominent part here and the angel of the Lord comes to her the first time and the second time. It may be in that day. As in many homes today, she was the spiritual leader of the home. And the message that she would conceive and bear a son was a miraculous message itself because she was barren and they had no children. Now, it's a common theme. You've heard it before in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah were to have a son in their old age, 99 and 100 years old, continued to be that they were barren, but the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord came and told them that they would have a child. Hannah also, who was the mother of Samuel, was barren. Uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, parents of John the Baptist, all were barren and received a heavenly message. They found that they would conceive and bear a son. It's a reminder that God knows our plight. Regardless of our situation, our circumstances, whether it is with children, whether it's no children, whether it's with our family, our spouse, physical problems, financial, even mental, whatever circumstances you're in today, the Lord is aware, He cares, and He provides. And you can trust Him. It's not the only message about Samson, that a baby would be born from the angel, but also the heavenly visitor said, He shall begin to save Israel. Now that word begin is significant. Anytime there's prophecy that is spoken, if it's true prophecy, it's going to come So for 40 years the Philistines had oppressed, ruled over Israel, and they will continue to long after the time of Samson. In fact, it's not until the time of King David a couple of hundred or so years later that finally the Philistines are subdued. But the antics of Samson began and brought some relief of oppression. Now let's make our first comparison as we talk about the birth of Samson versus the birth of the Savior. For Jesus, an angel foretold his birth, not just once, but both to Mary and to Joseph. And Mary was told, you shall supernaturally conceive and bear a son. And she was a virgin, had not known a man. How significant is the virgin birth? It's very significant as we think about the fact that here was Jesus. He was 100% divine, and yet he was 100% man willingly came to live amongst us, the one who is the Son of God, the true revelation of God on earth. He is God in the flesh. And He felt every, <coughs> every pain 
every heartache, every temptation we have felt, and yet is without sin. And the prophecy also foretold, He will save His people. He finished what He began, born with a purpose to be a ransom for all people who believe. And speaking of His people, not necessarily just the Jewish people, but to all who place their faith in Him. By the way of the cross and the resurrection, Jesus made eternal life and intentional living available to all who believe. Yes, every story in the Bible all point to Jesus. And certainly this one does. When the angel of the Lord foretold that He will begin to save His people, surely we will think, those of us who are New Testament believers, we know the one who did save His people. So we know certainly the words of the angel point to Jesus, but not only the words, but the presence of the angel of the Lord. Because here in this passage, the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Here in this passage in the Old Testament, it's before we knew His name. He is the pre-incarnate visit of the second person of the Trinity. We know this not only by the name, but by the unfolding of the story, the request of the name that we read about, the worshiping of the parents of Samson. And when they realize that they are in His presence, they fear. Manoah, the husband, thinks they're going to die because they have seen God. Who can see God and live, he fears. And his wife, Miss Manoah, again, helping her husband, she said, surely we will not die, or how else would we fulfill what has been foretold? Thus we're comparing and contrasting Samson with Jesus to help us to make right choices. Well, also, don't get confused when it comes to the vow. We're talking about the Nazarite vow that we read about here just a moment ago. So we're going to compare the difference for just a moment between the Nazarite versus the Nazarene. Now, Samson was a Nazarite. Jesus was a Nazarene. Don't, don't get these confused. Here's Samson the Nazarite. Certainly the best known Nazarite maybe in the Old Testament. The only one that I know of who was a Nazarite from birth. John the Baptist in the New Testament. Some refer to him as a Nazarite from birth. But Jewish men would sometimes, and, and women also, could take a Nazarite vow, usually for a certain period of time for various reasons. The Apostle Paul did, we know, at least once in the New Testament. But we learned about the Nazarite vow from Numbers chapter 6. There it kind of outlines what's involved in that vow. And those things are, do not drink wine or strong drink. Uh, if they were going to take the Nazarite vow, don't drink wine or strong drink. It actually says, don't even eat a grape. I think it says in there, I think of that, my mama wouldn't want me to eat a, drink an IBC root beer. So it kind of goes along with that. Don't go near or touch a dead body also. And then, let the locks of his hair grow long. said that here, but that was part of the Nazarite vow, not a razor to touch the head. Now I've got to tell you, Samson was a Nazarite, but he was not a very good Nazarite. He caroused with the Philistines. He went near many dead bodies. and He touched the body of a lion that he killed with his bare hands and, and scooped up honey out of the dead carcass. Do you know that story? If, we're going to talk about it uh, tomorrow, I mean next Sunday. And probably the most famous story when Samson slept with his head on Delilah's lap while they cut his hair. Now the Nazarite vow was meant to be for the Jewish people usually only for a set amount of time, so that during that time they would set apart and they would be holy unto the Lord and more righteous. Well, today, because of what Christ has done for all who are in Christ, we need not make such a vow. 
Not because we're better people, because if you're a follower of Jesus, it's only because you've discovered you are a sinner. We're all sinners, and we have need for Jesus. But it is because Jesus, who is the only holy and righteous one, because of His forgiveness of sin, because of the blood of Christ, that He's made us righteous. And we stand righteous now before God. In other words, we don't have to make a vow or we don't have to do something so that we might be able to become righteous. But Christ Jesus has made us righteous in Him. And so now, it's not a vow that we need to make, but all because He first loved us because of what He's done for us. We want to do everything that we can so that we might be able to please Him and to serve Him. And we recognize every time we serve others, we're also serving Jesus. But don't be confused. Jesus is the Nazarene, not the Nazarite. It has little to do with the Nazarite, even though they sound familiar. The New Testament tells us it was prophesied Jesus would be called a Nazarene. And we don't, we don't find that exact quote in the Old Testament, but it's a reference to the manner in which He was raised. He was raised in the hometown of Nazareth, thus the Nazarene in Galilee. It's a town not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament. But this small town and its people, they would be considered insignificant, even looked down upon and humble. Old Testament prophecy tells us that Jesus would be despised and rejected by man. Can anything good come out of Nazareth would be what one of His future disciples would proclaim or ask. So Jesus being called a Nazarene is more than just where He was from a lowly carpenter's home. But it was about His manner and His mission of His presence on earth. For He tells us, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Christ is the greatest example of servanthood the world has ever known. In the weeks to come, even today, we'll see even more differences that your life can make when you put Christ and others before your own interest. So there was a prophecy about Samson. He was going to be a Nazarite. There's a prophecy about Jesus he was gonna, he, Jesus is the Nazarene. Both foretold even before birth. What does that have to do with you? Even before you were born, God knew you. And He had a plan for you. God told Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God has a plan for you all along, even before you were born. Submit to Him and follow His plan. Now, don't miss what I consider the magnificence of this chapter and the revealing of the Lord to Manoah and his wife. After the angel of the Lord appeared to Mrs. Manoah, we read verse 6, Judges 13 and verse 6, it says, Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me, and his appearance is like the appearance of the angel of God, very Awesome. I didn't ask him where he was from. He didn't tell me his name. Awesome is a biblical word. It's okay if you use it. It's okay if you use it often. It's okay if you use it about a ball game, baked beans, or bowling. But you need to know that every time this word is used in the Bible, it is only used as a direct reference and description of Almighty God. She told her husband all that the heavenly messenger said. And then Manoah prayed to God and said, God, would you send the man back so that we might know what we're doing with the child when he's born. So the Lord answered the prayer. And the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, he appeared to the wife again. This time she went and got her husband, brought him back to where the angel of the Lord was. And so he asked him, 
what kind of life, what kind of manner, what kind of life is he to live? What is, what is his mission? But the angel of the Lord didn't answer that question. He simply told him what he'd already told the wife in the first visit. But you, you might remember, because I just said it a few moments ago, the outline for the Nazarites are found in Numbers chapter 6. And I think the angel of the Lord assumed that Manoah and his wife knew the outline of the Nazarites was found in Numbers 6, though they didn't have chapters and verses then, but knew where to find it. I also assumed that they knew also Deuteronomy 6 about raising up children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 and following says this, you, you shall teach them diligently to your children, talking about the ways of God, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand as they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, teach the ways of the Lord. How are we supposed to raise this child? Well, they should already know how to raise this child. Teach the ways of the Lord to your children. If they knew the Nazarite vow of number 6, they should know Deuteronomy 6. Boy, there's a lesson here on providing a great heritage, a great godly heritage for this generation and for the next. Manoah wants to feed the heavenly visitor, as all good Baptists probably would. Let's feed you something. But the angel of the Lord declines and uh, says, But if you want to make a sacrifice to the Lord, you may. While arrangements are being made, Manoah asks, What is your name? By the way, students, they still ask the three basic questions to everybody you run into. What's your name, major, and where are you from? Or what school are you in, maybe? Well, he asks, what's your name? Seems like a good question to ask. He says, when the baby's born, we want to honor you. Maybe they wanted to name the baby after. Tell us your name. We'll name this new baby after you since you told us that. Verse 18, Joshua, excuse me, Judges chapter 13, verse 18. Judges 13, 18 says, the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name seeing it is wonderful? Do you have a different translation than the ESV? Because in other translations, it is beyond comprehension. It's too wonderful to comprehend. The King James says, it is secret. The great name of the Almighty God is wonderful and beyond our comprehension. His name is to be praised. Now, earlier in this passage, when Manoah met the angel of the Lord and said, Are you the one who met with my wife earlier? He said the words, I am. And I wondered, is it a reference to the, to the name of God that was given to Moses at the burning bush, that He is the one who is the great I Am. Listen, let's not miss this. Samson was raised in a home of a mom and dad who had been in the very presence of God. Would that be the case for every home that is represented here? Jesus makes that possible. Manoah prepared the sacrifice... Did you catch this when we read it earlier? When the fire was lit and the flame went up, the heavenly visitor goes up to heaven in the flames of the fire. How weird and wonderful. Guess how weirdly wonderful they realize and are even fearful they've been in the presence of God. Nine months later, or sometime later, Samson is born. We're told little about his childhood, kind of like... We're not told much about Jesus' childhood, but between the two, we see the potential versus the pattern. 
The potential of, Sam, of Samson is seen in Judges 13 and verse 24. We read through verse 20 earlier. Verse 24 reads, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. Even as a child, Samson was blessed by God. Surely meaning that God gave him every opportunity to know and to grow and to fulfill his potential. Now, if you've got a study Bible, you may have this. The name Samson means actually son, S-U-N. So I wonder if they called him sunshine. Now, it's a dark time. How appropriate for being some sunshine shining through during a dark time. Or it may have been all the guys calling him sunshine so much that caused him to be so lean and mean. We don't know for sure, but either way we see the great potential in Samson. Versus the pattern of Jesus. Also not knowing much about the childhood of Jesus except of the visit to the temple when he was 12. We have this one verse in the New Testament, Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He is the pattern to follow. No matter your age, some of you are going to get taller. Some of us are getting shorter, inch or so, since we once were as well. So to grow in stature may or may not be the case. But in wisdom, hard for me to think about Jesus getting smarter. But there it says He grew in wisdom. We also need to grow in godly wisdom. Search for it, search it out as much as we can. Be in the presence of others in Bible study and personally studying and growing wisdom. And then we also want to grow in our love for the Lord and our love for one another. He is the pattern to follow. Where Samson was blessed by God, Jesus is the Son of God who is the Redeemer for all mankind. We have one more comparison to make and it'll kind of lead us into the other passages because it's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned more times about Samson than any of the other judges in the book. It plays a significant role. In this case, we're going to be talking about the difference between the Spirit stirring and the Spirit indwelling. The Spirit stirring versus the Spirit indwelling. The Spirit stirring of Samson. It's found in Judges chapter 13, verse 25, which says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in his childhood when he was young. And as a child, the Holy Spirit was at work in him, was at work in Samson. However, even though the Holy Spirit was at work in Samson, he still had to choose to submit to the Holy Spirit or not. And as we'll see, the Bible makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who gave him success against the Philistines, though he did not always seek out the Holy Spirit and did not always follow. The Spirit indwelling Christ, what's recognized throughout the Gospels, but particularly Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, the baptism of Jesus. It says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. In this one verse, we find the Trinity. Mentioned. It is the Trinity, not the Word, but we have the Father's voice, Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming down. And we know and recognize God as one. We know Him in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only seen on certain people and sometimes only at certain times. didn't always stay with those people. But in the New Testament... Because of Jesus, and even following the pattern of Jesus as the Holy Spirit stayed with Jesus, 
All those who were reborn in Christ, the moment that you become a believer in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And the Holy Spirit never leaves. And the Holy Spirit is always at work. We sung about the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is within you. And He never leaves us. We know that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus living in us. We must submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now many of you, regardless of your age, or like Samson in the early years, you have a wonderful heritage and are a great opportunity. If, if you grew up in a Christian home or had godly parents or godly influence, I guess I want to encourage you, don't blow it. Uh, we know that school is starting back as a new semester of students from preschool to college to grad school. It's, it's a good time for a new commitment or a recommitment and to be thankful for the positive influences in your life. Student or not, this can be a new beginning to say, let's... Let's be sure to recognize the heritage in our life. Let's recognize the influences already that have been on me. and Let me take those and learn and use those as well. Even if you do not have a godly heritage, today you have a great opportunity. Don't turn away. Now, I want to say you have a wonderful heritage and a great opportunity. And I want to say this not in a negative way. In other words, so don't blow it. Don't do this. Don't do that. So let's say it like this. You have a wonderful heritage and a great opportunity. Particularly if you're here today, this is a great opportunity. Use it well. Choose Jesus. If you know Jesus already as your Lord and Savior, choose Jesus every day to follow and to serve Him. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, Lord, if you cannot say for sure that you have a home in heaven or that Jesus is living in your heart, today you can choose Jesus. You have that opportunity. It'll be, the greatest, uh, it'll, it'll be the greatest decision that you have made for today. It'll be the greatest decision that you've made for the rest of your life. It'll be the greatest decision that you have made for eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to be in your house. We thank you, Father, for your love for each one of us. and We thank you, Father, for a new day in Christ and a new week to be able to begin. And Father, we thank you for these who have begun their week coming to the house of the Lord, lifting up praises, prayers together, and being able to understand and know that your word points to you. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to focus on Jesus even more. And we thank you, Father, for the lessons that we can learn, but not just good lessons to learn, but we pray, Father, that you'll actually transform our hearts and our minds and ourselves to be more like Jesus. And we pray today, Father, for... There's one or more that is here today, somebody listening live stream that does not know you as Savior and Lord. May today be the day of salvation. May even this time, during these last few moments, even now, Father, knowing that all can call upon you. If there's someone far away, Father, may they be brought close. Father, help us to continue in the direction you'd have us to go. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.